when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Make sure to go outside and billy all the oceans you can find. This is Baron Vaughn, and welcome to Deep Shit. Hey, guys. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks that I have not posted, and uh, I apologize for that. And, uh, you know, I actually... Uh, touched base with a friend today who has helped me produce this show in the past because I'm totally self-produced guys. That's why I've been absent the last two weeks because I was just not in town to get shit together. I usually try to edit this on Sunday to get it up by Monday. And, uh, I do these intros on Sunday cause I like them to be as fresh as possible. I don't want the, the things that I'm talking about to be too damn dated. Not that I make, amazing amounts of uh, references to whatever's going on in pop culture, but the next three episodes were recorded three weeks to a month ago. Today's episode is Carl Hess. The other two episodes I have in my, my chamber are with Rhea Butcher and Johnny Pemberton. So some stuff might come up in these next three podcasts that is topical. I don't exactly remember. I listened to some of the Carl Carl Hess today. Carl Hess. Carl Hess. Carl Drogo. Listen to some of the Carl Hess today, and uh, I don't think there's too much that's uh, crazy topical in it. Regardless, uh, I talked to a friend who's going to help me uh, when I'm on the road uh, put it together so that way I do not miss these motherfucking dates again. Yes, I was on the road. I uh, did three clubs in a row. Actually, four. Four clubs. I went to Buffalo, New York, and did the Buffalo Helium. Uh, Helium is a comedy club. There are three. There's one in Buffalo, one in Portland, and the original Helium in Philadelphia that's been there for a really long time. Uh, The Buffalo Helium was fucking incredible. It was a great, great time. It was a great week, and I had a great time. The audiences were fantastic. I sold CDs. (laughs) Oh, I was not expecting that. Then I took a hop, skip, and a jump up to Toronto in Canada, Toronto, Ontario. Ontario? You know, Ontario, who is the sister of the province, Ontario, and did a show at the Comedy Bar there, which was also great. I did a show at the Comedy Bar and the Underground Comedy Club. The Underground Comedy Club is a legal marijuana cafe, and it's kind of strange because um, weed is not illegal in the province of Ontario, But if you have less than a certain amount, they just kind of don't bother you about it. So I'm unclear as to whether there's a certain amount that if you have under that, it's legal to have. Or if it's just kind of a de facto thing uh, where they're just kind of like, ah, you're not bothering anybody. Who who, who murders people when they're high? Okay, we we all saw Reefer Madness. We know that's not true. But they do have uh, marijuana cafes where it is legal if you have marijuana, just sit there and smoke it. And uh, there's a place where called the Underground Comedy Cafe, and there's a comedy club in the back of it. And I stood in front of a big weed leaf and did a set entirely high, <laughs> entirely high. And I did my act at the earlier show at this place called Comedy Bar, and uh, shout out to Ian Atlas for putting that shit together. I appreciate it. The comedy bar was awesome, and I'm uh, excited to come back there uh, and do a, a full weekend. But this was kind of like to, you know, like to create some buzz. And I ran into two fans there who I want to give a shout out to John Corbin. Sup, my brother? John Corbin in the house, a fan of the podcast, a fan of my comedy. He came to the shows in Toronto. And also Derek. Derek, I don't know your last name. 
but your girlfriend's hot <laughs> and thank you for the drink and uh, Derek's brother you introduced me to your brother he was also wearing a cardigan we were just three black nerds standing in a row and uh, so to Derek Derek's brother and John Corbin in Toronto what up thanks for listening and thanks for coming to the shows uh, I had a great time in Toronto then I came back and I was around for a couple of days before I drove to Scottsdale Arizona to do some shows at a place called Stand Up Scottsdale which I got to tell you, aesthetically, as comedy clubs go, it's beautiful. I know that it used to be kind of crappy. I don't know. I've never been there. Some people said it wasn't the most amazing thing. Then they were in the show Bar Rescue, but they couldn't keep a lot of the stuff because the things that the Bar Rescue show did, they didn't have permission from the city of Scottsdale to change and paint and do all this stuff. So they had to kind of change a lot of stuff back. But it was a good weekend. I took my good friend Ryan Singer with me. And uh, we had fun, fun, fun until our daddies took our T-Birds away. So that's how that went. Then I came back here and I kind of crashed out until I went to Indianapolis, which I just got back from today. I did Crackers Comedy Club, aptly titled. Um, Crackers was fun. I've done that club once before. Uh, last time I had my friend Jeff Tate with me who um, helped me stay sane. And uh, this time I had a really cool guy named Andy Benengo. Beningo. Andy Beningo, who featured for me. And then also staying in the same hotel was Ron Funches, who was staying, who was uh, actually performing at the other location of Crackers. And so him and I hung out a lot. A lot of hilarious mishaps happened when I was around Ron Funches. And he's going to be on this podcast soon as well. Um, and then I also got to see Jake Johansson of the Jake This podcast, also on the All Things Comedy Network. And Brian Posehn. So I got to see those guys, and it was a fun time in Indianapolis. And now I'm back, and I have a Sunday, and I can put up a goddamn podcast, and that's what I'm going to do. Okay? And today's podcast is with Carl Hess. Carl, who is a uh, a great comedian that I know and uh, admire and respect, who uh, has been wanting to come on the podcast for a while, so I was happy to have him. And we talked about human nature. Why? Why? da 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 I just I just robbed what music I'm going to use to transition from the intro into the podcast. Um, this is actually a fun talk because um, we got into a fight. We got into it. It's it's kind of hilarious. He started getting frustrated with me and pushing me, and I started getting frustrated. And then I could not make the point I was trying to make because my blood pressure is going, my mind is racing. Then I was I was struggling with fuck you. I just want to punch you in the face, and I want you to be wrong. I was struggling between that and the actual information that I had to offer, and that other part was taking over, and the part that uh, had the information to uh, speak to the points and the questions and the things that he was pushing me on was just not there in my mouth. So I end up looking like an idiot a little bit, but we uh, figured it out, and you'll hear how it went. And uh, we're going to do a companion episode, uh, Human Nature Part 2, because I asked him to read something that he read, and uh, we're going to discuss some of the ideas in that a very controversial book, which I've talked about before, and you motherfuckers have heard about. Uh, and I've been on the uh, podcast of that author, Chris Ryan, tangentially speaking. And uh, speaking of which, if you uh, know the podcast Mental Illness Happy Hour, I did that. Paul Gilmartin's very intense podcast. And uh, if you want to know some things about me that I haven't necessarily shared yet on this podcast, go check that out. I'd be interested to see what you guys think. 
any Wazel Hazel Basils. A couple other things. I wanted to give a shout out to two fans I ran into in Phoenix uh, named Oscar and Ramon. And uh, they're fans of this podcast, and they came out, and they were awesome. And uh, thanks for coming again. And also, I want to give a shout-out to Mr. David Hamilton, Wantanabe-san, uh, replied to your email today. Um, and I know I owe you probably 15 other pro- uh, replies, but, you know, it's what it is. It's what it is. But thank you again for listening and all that stuff. And, guys, I just want to let you know, I know you've been hearing about my financial problems left and right, and some of you have sent me donations, which, thank you, you've gotten me over the top. These road gigs happened all in a row, and there's I got more coming up. Um, and if you want to know more about that, go to BaronVaughn.com. I got dates coming up in San Francisco and Atlanta and San Diego and uh, Denver and just some good stuff coming up soon uh, that I'm happy about and happy to do. So, um, But these things have kind of happened in a row, and now I'm starting to get in front of all this financial bullshit. So thank you, Jesus. Yeah, the road is lonely. I had a friend of mine, Nora, call me while I was in uh, Indianapolis, and uh, she she was a little drunk, and uh, her husband was out of town, and she went to someone's wedding, so she was going home to her home alone, and as she was going home, she started feeling lonely and started going, hey, Baron must be lonely. He's sitting in a hotel in a city where he doesn't know anybody, so she called me a little drunk, and then she started to tell me how she finally understood the insanity it is to be a comedian, how you go from such an incredible high to an incredible low in a very short period of time. Because, yeah, I just did two hours of stand-up. I did two shows and did an hour each show, making people laugh, giving all my energy that I possibly can. You know, the 12 years that I've been doing stand-up, everything doing an hour. You know, all that culminating in, like, here you go. You guys are laughing. You paid, making you laugh. They love me. This is good stuff. And then I go home and I just sit there. <laughs> I just sit there like, bleh, 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 bleh. and that is why a lot of fucking comedians develop substance problems and, and their marriages fail because they have all this excess energy and it's such extreme so quick that it's like it's hard to kind of put your system through that. And um, luckily, I think with the Internet age, uh, it's easier because I can text and call people I like. I can instant message. I can watch Netflix. I can do a couple of different things. And, uh, and in Indianapolis, again, I was lucky that I had a couple of people I liked uh, that I could hang out with, Andy and, and Ron. And, uh, you know, uh, so that was that was good stuff. But it is an insane thing. Speaking of comedy, guys, August 28th, there was an all things comedy live show here in Los Angeles at Largo. And um, even though I'm not performing in it, I will be in attendance and they're going to continue to do these uh, regularly. So I'll, I'll probably be in the next one. I'm not exactly sure, but the first one is going to be hosted by the two founder creators of the all things comedy network, Bill Burr and Al Madrigal, two incredible, brilliant, comics two of my favorites they're going to be hosting it and they're going to be hosting a couple of the other personalities of the all things comedy network such as brendan walsh of the bone zone ian edwards of soccer comics tom papa of come to papa christina pajitsky of your mom's house and eddie Peppertone of the long shot podcast all those people are going to be performing at largo i'll be there i'll be laughing we can high five if you are a fan of my podcast and you live in la or fans of the others podcasts and mine come by say hi it's going to be a, it's going to be a shindig okay fuck it Let's do it 
this whole positivity thing is, uh, I think, is starting to work for me. Things are things are coming to fruition, and as long as I stay in a kind of a good mindset, it gives me the energy to be able to make other things happen. That'll you know, make other balls roll. That'll turn into snowmen by the time I need them to be snowmen. That's a bad metaphor, but I think you guys understand what I'm saying. Anyway, let's get to the podcast. Here's Carl. dangerous that could be dangerous yeah on a podcast if i'm listening to people like exchange ideas or learning about something then i'm like it engages my brain to the point where i'm i stay awake right this music just kind of becomes ambient background and then i'm like oh it's okay to sleep this is just music i feel like but i'm behind the wheel i first listened to an audiobook for the first time recently in a friend's car what was it it was thomas pachon's inherent vice of course um, it's the, the first audiobook anyone should. Yeah, listen. exactly. It's a good intro. Did you get level. It on Audible.com? Well, no, I've never. He had the CDs, and I was like, I've never listened to an audiobook. What's it like? And we were on a long road trip, and he's like, pop it in, and it's like weird having someone else read to you because like you haven't had that since childhood. Oh, because like I know they're so popular, but I was like, wow, this is kind of weird. And he was like doing the voices of the characters, yeah, all the different voices, and then you get used to it, and it's like, ah, oh, this is actually. But it was like very soothing. Like that would put me to sleep. But then that's also a thing to do where again you're not necessarily reading because reading you have it's a solitary That's singular the thing. I, I would I would miss the like actual reading. Like if you if you listen to an entire book and then be like, I read that book, it's like, no you didn't. You had someone else read it to I, you. Anytime anyone has listened to a book on tape, they they, they always say that. Okay. I've never heard anybody say oh, I, I, I read it out. War and Peace, yeah, I knocked that out. Yeah, exactly. I knocked it out in two but months. Again, that's something that you can do when you're driving or you're on a plane. It's true. So it's like, I mean, well, you could just read on the plane, too. But again, reading puts me to sleep. Like, if I'm relatively tired when I start reading, that's what. That's a big trick, by the way. Like, if you're in bed and Knock you can't get to sleep. Watching look, something keeps you up. It keeps you different up. Different kind of Looking brain at your stimulation. Phone. Exactly. Blue light. So I, uh, I read, and then the next thing I know, I'm fucking asleep. That's good, though. That's and I wake good. up like with the with the book kind of under me in the bed, and the lights on. I'm like, what? Huh? But what happened to Harry? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's like a whole other world of podcasts. Like, I don't know. I'm always thinking in terms of comedy, but there's probably like crazy science podcasts, like oh, history what are podcasts. What talking about, dude? I need to get into that. That's what I listen to. Like, what, what are you, what are some of the best? Well, I like, I do listen to a lot of comedy podcasts. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's a given. And, um, I, but I do like the knowledge podcasts. Yeah, that's what um, I need to get into. One of my favorites is the history of rum. Oh, wait, we were, were we talking about we this? We have talked about it. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's that, over because he No, Andy it. Wood's super into this. That's who I was talking about. I'm the one who way. told him about ah, it. Ah, there we go. It's all coming together. I told Andy Wood to listen to the History of Rome. Oh, my, yeah. my, this guy, Mike Duncan, I think he lives in Austin now. I love that shit. He was in Portland and he moved to Austin in the course of the podcast. But he, I don't know if he's doing a new podcast because he, he said on that History of Rome podcast um, that he wanted to do the same thing but about American history. Okay. Through the lens of. Because he said the lens that he's doing in the history of Rome is the emperors. Right. Obviously, there's, I mean, leaders of the Romans. He's like, obviously, there's a whole different world when you're talking about the citizens and the everyday life of Rome. Sometimes he does that. He he'll, he'll, he wants he'll, the big name guys, he'll the marquee names. Well, these are the guys who wrote the history there's books. The guys. You know? 
So he said he wanted to do that thing with the, through the lens of the uh, political parties in That's American cool. history. That's very cool. That you start with, like, you know, like the uh, – I even remember like the Whigs. The and Whigs like, and the Tories? Yeah, shit like that. And then you move on to, like, the uh, you know Federalists and, right. then like, you know, the Democrats and That'll the Reconstructionists and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's a good one. Um, I listened to a couple of news ones. I like there's this one I like Tavis and Smile, uh, Tavis and West, Smiley okay. and West, Tavis, Tavis, Tavis Smiley, Smiley, a trusted source, and Cornell West. Tr- oh wow, okay, they're just breaking shit down. I bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who used to have a really good podcast was um, oh my god, what's his name? Son of a bitch. He's a gigantic news. You're person. not gonna remember it. And I can't. Wolf remember Blitzer. His- no, it's not Wolf Blitzer. It's somebody. Brian else. Williams. No, it's not Brian Williams. Walter some, Cronkite. It's someone better. I can't remember who it was. Uh, that's another one. Uh, Freakonomics is a good one. Yeah, okay. I've um, listened to some of those guys. There's, there's how things work. There are plenty of science for this philosophy podcast. This, this, this podcast is technically. This is the how things work for your mind. Yeah. This is, this is philosophy with, through the lens of comedians. Yeah, I think generally. That's, I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah, because you know we're because let's, let's philosophers good, are boring as shit. Let's be honest. We're good at being assholes. Hey, I used to have a joke about. That uh, philosophers are like uh, were the first stand-up comedians, just unfunny. No, that they were hilarious, and people were like, "That's true." <laughs> They're all double images of us on a cave. This reality is a projection of something else. Your theory of cognition of the oh, mind is hilarious. Shit. I like the idea of fucking of uh, you know Socrates or Aristotle, just people just getting up, like in togas, like reacting like a Def Jam audience, just right. like, oh shit. <laughs> We all just fell up out the amphitheater. Yeah, I used to have a joke about, like, because uh, before plays, before dialogue, there was just the monologue. Right. The original Greek theater, you know, right. Thespis or shit like that. Right. So I used to say that was the original stand-up comedy where those guys, I just got back from Sparta, and boy, are my <laughs> arms tired. Am I right, guys? Seriously, from running, those guys are warlike. I think it was probably we should, a little We should more take a formal. collection and get the uh, women in Sparta some necks. Seriously. <laughs> Come on. Am guys. I right? Anyway, we got a nice guy here from the solo hole down in Athens. <laughs> Give it up for Sophocles. <laughs> what is the deal with Zeus? I can't believe you don't do this bit anymore. I could. <laughs> it sounds so razor sharp. Yeah, it's just like, is it just me or is Zeus constantly having sex with women in the form of an animal? No, the, the first Adam comic was like the drunk priest in the rites of Dionysus who like jumped out naked and did a bunch of crazy shit. Well, yeah, well, that's a completely different thing. I'm They're like, he's killing it today. Did he's you see killing, that? Did you he's see throwing that? those antlers. His dick is out. <laughs> he's got small dicks that he's throwing at people. Did you have one? They're made of nuts. Get it? <laughs> anyway, so those are, I'll, I'll give you a list of like cool podcasts I like listening to. You should do a, a history of stand-up comedy podcast. You know what? I know a lot about the what I'm saying is quickly comedy. abandon this podcast and get a new idea. <laughs> Arguably, somebody I remember reading this article. There's a guy who had a blog in uh, New York for a while, uh, an older comic too, who used to write like history of comic article, history of comedy articles, history of stand up. I mean, it's fascinating. It's like a very inherently American thing because it kind of came out of like vaudeville, which is before that even minstrel shows, right? You minstrel could say shows. is a combination of the two. So he's like the arguably the first thing that we could call stand up was the minstrel show, right? Because there was a host who's named Mister right. Interlocutor, which was uh, of course how black people say intellectual. You know, they can't talk. Right. But basically, the idea of it was he was playing. He would talk about the news and current events, right? To get everybody things that were happening, up and then bring on, the... and he would filter it through the lens of his character. Uh, so it was like, arguably, it was kind of what we know stand up to be today. 
And then that was kind of like a proto vaudeville. It was a kind of a proto vaudeville, and then vaudeville was a little bit more of the British tradition. But then we got it, right? And then we mixed it with that, and it became that same sort of thing. It was usually a duo thing, and then became like, you know, that guy overslept or died, and then one of them had to go up and do it by himself, <laughs> right? And he's like, hey, Jerry's not here. I guess I'm going to have to haphazardly invent stand-up. you got to be the straight man and the funny man. <laughs> what? Oh my That's God. unheard of. That's crazy. I'll handle it. Wait a minute. Hardy didn't make it? I guess it's just me. <laughs> it's up to me. Laurel. Laurel. I'll do it myself. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is fascinating. And then, like, that kind of, like, I guess formed the foundation of, like, the Catskills tradition. The Catskills and then Lenny Bruce showed up in the Catskills. The Jews have an integral part in here somewhere. Oh, man. The Jew, the rabbi? We can, we can see the rabbis are fucking hilarious. Yeah. Because first of all, he has to make all that shit in the Bible or the Torah. I mean, they got to make that shit interesting. Makes sense. Yeah, it's they got to make like, it interesting. Maybe get a few laughs here and there. You guys are like, why did God do that? <laughs> I'm thinking it's the same very thing. dry material. You uh, have to spice it up sometimes. The most racist portrayals we could do of, of, of Jews right now. <laughs> Come on, that was pretty accurate. Uh, as long as it was accurate. That was a respectful <laughs> rabbi yeah. imitation. Respectful the rabbi. That's yeah. his, that was his name. He toured around <laughs> all the different synagogues. You'll be sent out. Oh, God. You got to throw in a one liner here and there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Literally. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So then, like, Lenny Bruce basically, yeah, the Catskill comments were the joke guys. Right. But they weren't saying anything about their lives per se. They were taking right. experiences and turning them into jokes. Yeah. Any young men, you know, that sort of thing. But then Lenny Bruce shows up and, and starts like, what doing. What if I actually talk about me? Started talking about. And not about taking my wife, please. Personal truths. And how those things relate to the world around him and stuff like that. Taking on the church. And he was doing that in that venue. And there wasn't anything like it. Yeah. And it didn't always work. And he got arrested a bunch. And he got arrested a bunch. And he, at the end of his life, he was obsessed with his court cases and reading the oh, transcripts. Yeah. Can you shit. imagine, like, getting arrested for saying cocksucker? Like, what kind of just, like, social order has to exist? Be like, oh, what was that? Cocksucker? You're under arrest. I can, I can imagine like, getting that's arrested for sucking a cock on a stage. Well, I mean, that's different, though. If it's not the right stage for it, watch out. <laughs> Studs Theater, Santa Monica. You got to know your audience. <laughs> exactly. But, and then he was the guy that was like, whoa. And then, of course, the, the Richard Pryors and the George Carlins kind of took that model. Yeah. And uh, ran with that shit. This is, this is a crash course. And, of course, there's all sorts of shit that's in there. And like, but, like, uh, you know what's a good one is comedy at the edge. That's a good. Uh, I have read that. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. I gotta read. I'm dying up here. I still have it. I haven't read it yet. I haven't read that one. You gotta get like. You gotta get some sponsorship for this. I know you're just talking about books. Well, this episode. You're like, is... I will plug your book four times. Here's the pricing sheet. This episode is actually sponsored by TiVo. Oh, there you go. TiVo, the TV-iest of O's. TiVo. You know those sounds that it makes? It's pretty good. Oh, that's pretty good. My, mine was more like the Seinfeld baseline. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Who decided that they were just going to put pops in that show? They're like, all right, we're going to have a baseline, but Larry David, uh, interstitially, we're just going to want to. Larry David definitely was just like, wait, give me a little bit more. Give me some pops. Cheesy music? No, we're going to keep the audience on their toes. We want them to think that like uh, popcorn is going to be there. God, I love it. That's how hot the bass is. It's like popping all this corn. <laughs> it's such hot bass. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's a little crash course sort of bullshit that I just made up. But yeah. Uh, that should be your podcast, just history that you make up, like something you would kind of know something about, and then you ju- you just kind of Baron Von bullshit it and like make up songs, and then it's like interesting. That's just called stand up. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me tell you the history of the Russian Revolution. Then you just make up a bunch is of stand up. 
Yeah, exactly. The workers got to unite. <laughs> Have you been in the bread lines? <laughs> this bread is so good. Everyone, everyone's waiting to get into bread. <laughs> bread. Have you heard of it? The czar's got to die tonight. Czar. Czar. Kaiser. Kaiser. Variations on Caesar. Variations on Caesar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Julian back Augustus. To, back to Rome. Did you ever watch Rome, the HBO series? Yeah, I have it on Blu-ray I'm behind great. you. It's great. It's awful and good at the same yeah, time. Yeah, well. But I, mean, of, but I mean, it's great. And a lot of those actors are showing up in like Game of Thrones and shit. I'm like, yeah. Who's in Game of Thrones? Do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, of course I do. It's uh, Game of Thrones. Game of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Well, we just had the second season. Oh, third season. Second or third? What was the fucking the third, second season? I just oh uh, the one dude, yeah, the one guy who plays um, Rob Stark's uncle who had to get married. Yeah, Tully, the Tully guy. He, he was in Rome. Was he's in a bunch of he stuff. He was Brutus. They're all like English actors. When if you watch any English shows, you're like, oh, there they are. The King They're of the all North. There. Uh, Kieran Hines, who was Julius Caesar. Oh right, okay. That guy's fucking dude. Charles incredible. Dance, the guy who plays Tywin. It's that guy's Charles, the best. It's Charles Dance. That guy's so good. I saw him on stage in England. What, what was he in? There was speaking of vaudeville, he was doing vaudeville. There was a British. It was a British duo. Ultimate straight man. Yeah. There was a British duo called Morecambe and Wise, that um, were huge comedy stars in England, and like uh, back in the day, or back in the day, but like seventies, eighties. Okay. And they had like these gigantic Christmas television specials, and They're probably hilarious. Uh, so Kenneth Branagh made a play and directed a play uh, on the West End. That was basically a Morecambe and Wise sort of thing. So these two guys played Morecambe and Wise, and they would do like these vaudevillian bits. But every show had a special celebrity guest. And Dance was one of them. The one that I saw was Sir Charles Dance. He must have killed it. Yeah, he did. He was hilarious. It was him, and it was uh, the most common ones were him, Minnie Driver, Kenneth Branagh himself. Okay. Um, I think Eddie Izzard. Okay. So those are the most common, like, guests. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Izzard. But everyone says it wrong. Yes. Literally every single person I've ever heard say his name is People wrong. People say Izzard, but it's Izzard. God, that sounds so much cooler, too. Izzard? Izzard. It is. Mr. Izzard. Mr. Izzard. Your gown is ready. Your, your table is ready, <laughs> Mr. Izzard. That's, um, that's the great thing about Game of Thrones. Though. I feel like the quality of actor, because they're all British, it's like everyone's so good. Well, there, there's no one on the show where you're like, ah, get this fucking guy out of here. He's ruining it. Yeah, there's British some actors. People. And it's like every great show, you're like, oh, this guy's British. Oh, everyone's British. That's the other thing. In Game of Thrones, there's people showing up that I know from the Harry Potter movies. There's people showing up that I know from the British version of The Office. And they're nailing every casting choice. I mean, I read the book, so it's like, you just like, you're like, oh, they got this guy? Oh, this is fantastic. Yeah, 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 like, exactly. There's not one casting choice where you're like, oh, this is fucking terrible. Fuck this, dude. It's, it's, it's kind of astounding. It's a Game of Thrones. I love that it's dude, a game Ian of Glenn, uh, who plays yes, uh, awesome. Jorah Mormon. Oh, Khaleesi. That guy's Khaleesi. the best. And then there's uh, Liam Cunningham, who is, uh, because um, there's uh, uh, Stannis Baratheon. Stannis. Right? So Stannis is a great actor, mm-hmm. who uh, Stephen Delane. Okay. And then Liam Cunningham is the guy who's his number two. The Onion Knight? Yeah, the guy, well, the guy who keeps getting thrown back in prison over and over right, again. Yeah. Because, you know, the night is dark and full of terrors. Exactly, as, as it is. Uh, we're, just, we're totally nerding out about Game of Thrones right now, and that's not what we're supposed to be talking about. Oh, shit. Okay. I know steer, it's a game. It's a Game of Thrones. It back, steer it back. Game what we should be talking about is House of game Cards. Of I love House of Cards. No, let's not talk about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. I Shut liked it, it a lot. British TV show as well. Um, uh, did you watch the original one? No. It's on Netflix. I did see it on Netflix. I didn't start watching it, but I was I like, know. I watched This the looks first, too 90s and British for me to get The first three minutes, and I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, so did I. I turned it on, and I was like, eh, I don't think I don't know. Well, I turned it off quickly because I'm like, I can't watch this because I'll never stop watching it. 
I doubt he strangles a dog in the first scene. Fascinating. Maybe so he, David Fincher, right? Right. So David She's Fincher. He's like, hey, quick reminder, I'm still here being David Fincher. Here's my weird southern accent. That's <laughs> so good that they gave him a southern accent. I'm from South Carolina. Okay, whatever you say. That's Kevin all Spacey. you want to see Kevin Spacey do. Just have a southern accent and be like brutally conniving. But what about good fucking performances in it? And what about oh, yeah. Robin? Robin Wright is the one that is like the performance Dude, for she me. gives that guy the hand job in the bed. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> This show is spoilers. This show is crazy. Spoilers. Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, it's your fault. If you um, haven't seen it by now, it's your fault. Yeah, it's really it's it's especially for like a, a quote unquote political intrigue show. It is it is gritty. It is it is down and dirty. I can't wait for it. I can't wait to see see more of it. Yeah, I can. I can very much wait. Anyway, I can very much wait. I'll Carl Hess, just to digest. You want to talk about human nature? I mean, what First of all, it's one of my kind favorite, of the ultimate topic. It's one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs. Okay, uh, you got to tell him that it's human. Written by a guy named Rod Temperton, who I believe is uh, on that new Daft Punk album as well. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So anyway, human nature. What is it? Do it. Go. I mean, I feel like having seen all the other topics on your show, it's kind of like an umbrella over all those topics because it's kind of like the overriding question of everything. But I think it's interesting because it's like, you know, through the ages with philosophers trying to explain the human condition and how we are and why we are. And, you know, there's always that question, the base question of like, what is human nature? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think maybe the essential fallacy of that is like, it might not be an answerable thing. You know, it might not be like, like, here's human nature. We've established that this is the baseline of human. Like, I think it's totally, you know. It's circumstantial. Well, I, I totally agree. It's, it, it changes. Yeah, I, and I think everyone's capable of everything. It's like, you know, like... Uh, but it is definitely di- dictated by Someone has the capacity to murder someone, and someone has the capacity for a total selfless act within them at all times, I think. And it just depends on which way. Because people talk about, like, uh, for instance, jealousy. Right. Jealousy is a big... I feel like what's, big motivator to murder. I would well, say. it's it is the number one reason. The number one reason, probably. Uh, but or there's money. A, people money. are always uh, well jealousy of money. Yeah, that too. People are always like, I feel that what I see happening because that's what I want to ask you is like, what do you think in a common sense? And I'm not. I don't need your answer yet. But when we talk about human nature, you're right. It's circumstantial. It's circumstantial. Right. What do you think are the elements that define human nature as we understand it today? Right. Do not answer yet. Okay. Because. I think a uh, big thing is that people f- take their feelings as doctrine. Right. We're very much right now about how we feel about shit That's all true. of the time. That's definitely true. But we don't, we don't endeavor to understand our feelings as much as we let our feelings run slipshod. Yep. The, not that I feel something. Why do I feel that? What is it from? It's like I feel it, therefore I'm following I act it. on it. Yes, exactly. The feeling in itself justifies the feeling. But we never question ourselves of like, well, why do I feel that way? Well, I think way? that's like just the power of emotion. It's like how many murders come out of just, ah, and then you're like, oh, God, I didn't want to kill that person, but I did. But that's why it's crazy that like uh, a crime of passion yeah. is a thing. It's more excusable. A legal though. definition. It, it, and it's in, in the overall definition of murder, it's, it seems more excusable. Like cold blood is the thing that's unsettling and, and the other. Premeditated. Like, oh, yeah, crime of passion. And, Everyone gets mad and kills someone, yeah, but it's like. Cold blood. Sometimes bitches oh, be crazy. What like, can I say? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, what can you do? You just be acting to the craziness. But like cold blood, it's like, oh, it was premeditated. And that's a weird, that's a really weird distinction when you think about it. It's like, oh, he got carried away and strangled his girlfriend? 
Well, that's one thing, but if he walked in calmly and slit her throat, that's another thing. Yeah, if he was like, if he wrote down in a book a month beforehand, I'm going to slit this woman's throat right. on Tuesday at 3, then did it, right. jail. I know. It's such a weird... But if he didn't and, know and he was going to do it until sense, 255, said, also like... <laughs> I think that's the power that emotion has because we collectively acknowledge that, like, emotions are so strong that, yes, we can black out. That's why the insanity plea and all this stuff, it's like, yeah, people can just do crazy shit without even really meaning or wanting to do it. And that has to be separated from the cold clinical planning of a different type of murder. But I think that's those things are like us up against the wall, up against the wall of what our culture is, you know, because I think that repression leads to perversion. When there are certain things that you're not supposed to do, not supposed to, because we're so, um, so when I talk about jealousy, I'm like, jealousy is a real thing. But people talk about like, oh, if you feel jealousy, you know, like people talk about it like it's something that you can't control. Right. But the opposite side of the coin also exists. We're just taught, socialized towards jealousy. Right. Towards jealousy as being a go-to emotion. You mean like societally, like, oh, keeping up with the Joneses. Look what this guy has. You have to be, you have to have this. You have to be as good as this. You yeah. have to always be looking and comparing yourself well, to others. Yeah, yeah. Our society right now is, is basically based on us feeling insecure at all moments. Insecurity is how we continue to consume. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, if we, I think if we're that's constantly... the basis of consumer culture. Because if you're not insecure about what you have, you're not going to buy any more. Exactly. I and mean, that's what advertisers do. They're like, you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You don't have a nice enough car, watch, But you suit. will be when you get these shoes yeah, exactly. yeah. or I mean, this I, watch. Yeah, I think that's the basis of any consumerist society. And, yeah, I mean, that's definitely just part of our culture. But we are the consumerist society. That's true. There's no, we, we're, we're, we're unique in the history of the world. And that we are, we invented this thing that we have fucking taken to the streets. But I don't think people are murdering each other because someone has a nicer car than them. Yes, they are. Technically. I mean, because if someone has something, but this is the thing. If someone has something nice, it means that someone else doesn't. Again, if we're constantly comparing. I feel like romantic jealousy is definitely responsible for more murders than like. Oh, definitely. Lifestyle jealousy. Oh, that, that's, but then money. That's, I mean, money is obviously the, the big number two. Well, that's or envy. number one. Envy is envy is this person has this thing and I want that thing. Right. But jealousy is the feeling of feeling that something that you think is yours is going to be taken. I think from money you. is probably number one for murder. If you look at every single murder case, romantic jealousy, dude. Okay. Well, then money's a close second. Yeah, sure. Money, 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 more money is less murder, I think, and more theft, more, more conning, more stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think people we need get, hard statistics. Where's the U.S. Murder Bureau? If statistics? you know the statistics, tweet them at Carl Hess. K A R L H E W. It's crazy though. Like, is there is there anyone who like collates that data and like figures that out? Like, how? I mean, obviously, romantic jealousy is probably like the number one cause for murder. But yeah, there, for homicide, yeah, yeah there is. needs to be someone. There needs to be someone figuring this out. Well, all I'm saying is I nominate like, you, sir. Oh, I'm not going to there. I got podcasts to fucking record, bro. Point is, though, there are that, that we we have been taught socialized because of our circumstances right. to kind of look at certain emotions as uh, as the markers of what we are or aren't doing as like inevitable as inevitabilities and somewhat acceptable and acceptable. And you can't control them. Right. And if you feel them. Then, uh, well, you just feel them. But we, but that we, we think of our feelings like there's these fucking caged monsters that once the yeah. lock has been picked, then well, I can't be responsible for what happens. I think there is a weird disconnect between like mind, body, thought, action, and I think like the emo- like emotions are part of that. Like, oh, my emotions got the better of me. It's like I don't, I don't think 
you know, we talk about like matters of the heart, like, oh, uh, you know, and all that. And we kind of somehow like the heart became conflated with romantic feelings and all this. But I think it's, I don't know. I feel like we lose something when we don't realize that every single thing that we are and everything we generate emotionally, it's all from the brain. Mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. emotions are just part of how our brain works. We're just a weird electrochemical computer. Mm-hmm. And emotions are just part of that. But I think we all also realize that they can, they're so powerful that they can get the better of us so quickly that that's why we, we, we kind of assign them this power. Like, ah, uh, you know, my, yeah, my anger got the best of me. Like, what can I, I'm not responsible. My anger is responsible. Well, and that's the thing is that we compartmentalize it. Right. We always, we always separate our feelings from our thoughts. Right, which is totally wrong. Which I is, think. Which is, is totally wrong. everything's the same. It's because just neurons firing. But they can temper each other. Like our, the heart wants what the heart wants. It's like, no, that has nothing to do with anything. Our feelings can teach us about our intellect yes. and our thoughts. And our thoughts can teach us about our feelings. And, and both about but our bodies. Both thoughts. That's the thing. It's like everything is a thought, technically. Mm. There's no difference between a feeling and a thought. Oh, that's not necessarily true. What do you mean? There's a difference between everything a is just and a, a neuron firing in your brain. But I'm saying that like they come from the same source, sure. Right. But they have different results. Okay. Like yeah. to think about something is different. I mean, there's than definitely to feel a something. distinction, but I think it's also valuable to realize that it's like it's all just our mind doing stuff. It's all basically our minds telling us no, but right. our bodies. But there, there's definitely wait, wait, wait. But our bodies. Is this wait, like wait, from a wait. song? But our bodies <laughs> and telling us yes. What is that from? It's bump and grind, doesn't matter. Oh, God. R. Kelly. Your favorite? Oh, right. Okay. okay. I forgot that that was my favorite. Well, here's the question, though. What do you think are the markers of what we believe to be human nature right now? What do you think people. Well, basically... yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like, yeah. obviously, emotions have this context of being like visceral and, you know, undeniable, and you can't stop them. It's just like, when something comes upon you, lust or anger, it's like, well, you can't control it. It's, you know, it's, it's emotions. It's, you become emotional. It's not rational, intellectual, clinical thought where you're divorced from your emotions and, you know, looking at them and analyzing them. You know what you're, again, I'm, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to ancient Rome here. Do it. Right. So Do it's it. like, when you think about ancient Rome, like t- the two most dominant things for a while, belief systems. Were Stoicism right. and Epicureanism. Right. Right? Now, Stoicism was intellect and thought over everything. Right. Rationality. Yeah. That to ever let your emotions dictate your actions. You become an animal. Was a horrible mistake. Yeah. If you become a slave to your, your, your feelings, then, you know, you do yourself a disservice. You do your fellow man a service. But then also there was this element of, like, no one can ever really know what you think or feel. Right. That you're, you're a Stoic. Exactly. You will use logic. And your mind over everything else. Right. Right? And then the Epicureanism. The opposite. Well, no, they're not ap- apathetic. They were just kind of like uh, hedonistic. Yeah, they were revel in your, revel in the pleasure. Revel in the pleasure. I and mean, that's where we get the word for, you know, people enjoying food and yeah, like, revel so in life's pleasures. It's, it's enjoy yourself. Yeah. That if you enjoy yourself and, and you enjoy the company of people around you and, you, and everything you do right. is to enjoy yourself or help others. Right enjoy themselves then you can never do any wrong i don't think those two things are mutually exclusive they're not but they're they're interesting markers for like the extremism of what what rome some a lot of romans believe right so it's like we're we're there as well but we're we're like when we think about our reputation in the world americans are fucking loud right 
That's our reputation. Yeah. And the rest of the planet is that we're loud and we're so we're so adamant about how we feel about shit. Right. That's what so that's when people mock us to just kind of like, I know how I feel. Right. That's 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 the rest of the world's impersonation of an American. Yeah, there's just this kind of crass confidence of like, here's what I'm doing. And this, if you're not doing it, get out of the way. Yeah, exactly. You either with us right. or against us. Right. Bitch. That right. was the part that Bush cut from that speech. Well, I think I mean part of this country's kind of been like always in unfounded like exceptionalism like american exceptionalism is just like kind of based on nothing like well we're number one it's like well what why get out of the way you know it's just like <laughs> i mean i i think it's healthy to have uh you know s- s- some level of nationalism like oh, i'm proud of my country i like where i come from but i i think it kind of you know veers into like jingoism where you're just like if don't even talk to me if you don't like America. It's well, like that's kind of a dangerous. But that's that's what you know when we were at extreme things. You know that was like that post nine eleven like mentality. It yeah, was like it was America as a you know cheerleading all the damn time. But yeah. like I was recently in uh, San Antonio, Texas, and uh, the manager of this comedy club, surprisingly enough, was a Brit, and I was not expecting it. That is kind of unexpected for San Antonio, Texas. Exactly, but he, big soccer fan, right? And I said something to him, I think it's like, I said it was funny to me that we're the only country in the world that calls it soccer when everyone else, right. it's the That's most a classic example. It's the most popular sport on the planet. It's like religion. But we're just like, fuck ah. it. It's soccer. What is that soccer? We already have our own football. Right, exactly. We can't call two things. That's one a great thing. example. But he said that like, it will, it will never catch on. He said in America until we have a Jordan. Until there's a Michael Jordan right. of soccer. Someone that we can get behind as an American. That we can be like, oh, shit, we're the yeah. best at this now. Yeah. Then we'll get behind it. Joe Cooper, he's the best damn soccer player that's ever lived. Is that real? Is that a, or just a Bennett name? No, I just made Good that fucking up. name. Good name, right, though? Good, good job, he Carl, could, he subconsciousness. Could dominate it. He could dominate it. But that's what he was saying. Is that like, he's like, and he's like, there are truly talented and gifted American you know, football but players. Until there's soccer. one guy who just is superhuman. But there's not a David Beckham right, of America. Exactly. You know, there's not a Pele. And that's going to be hard to happen because it's like kids are pushed into other sports. I mean, you, you play soccer like in a traveling league as a kid, but it's like kids grow up wanting to be football stars. Well, because that's where the most money is. Yeah, exactly. We're capitalists, babe. That's actually a very interesting view, and I think that's probably correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, human nature, go. <sighs> yeah. Why? Why? How? Tell him that it's human For, for what reason? Well, look, here's a big thing. So here's some things that I noticed. Um, we're selfish. Yes. Self-interest, I think, is... I mean, we were talking about this before. Yeah. It's like... We're constantly motivated by self-interest. The genetic drive to procreate and, like, the social... The social drive. What we have Are done, probably, like, the big three, I'd say. Well, I think that a big, big, big thing that we do, and I, and I know that we do this in... Relationships is the place I see this the most. Again, we're a capitalist country. And it's it's insidious how much and how often I think we're taught to think about things as business contracts. We're right. taught to think about things as in investment. I'm going to get this much if I put this much in it. So we're constantly thinking about things in the way that a company would think about running their business. That's how we think about running our lives. Our lives are a business. Well, so, I mean, I'd say that's less human nature than like a societal oh, no, construct. I, I, I'm not saying it is human nature. I'm saying that this is a thing that we're being told is human nature. We're constantly thinking about how to get the most. Right. And that we, we conflate 
this business uh, model right. to be how humans must be and how human nature works, that we all just want to get the most. Right. Well, I think part of that is obviously basis, the base self-interest is always like one of the biggest drivers of any human action. But that's a and business in our model society, thing. Yeah, exactly. In our society, we've modeled the way to do that in a certain way. And it's like, this is how you get what you want for yourself. Through fucking making deals. Making deals and manipulation and trickery and stuff like that. I don't think those things are human nature, but I think that people think they are. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what I think is the, the, the bigger thing is that we confuse circumstances right. and socialization with biological fact. Right. I am just biologically supposed to be this thing when it's like, no, that's, that's our country's priorities. Although I do think it is human nature to like, Always look out for yourself. Like when it comes down to it, if it's life or death and it's you or another guy, you will always kill that other person. I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. In a life and death situation, if it's either you're going to die or you're going to kill this person, Are it you... will always be, I'm going to put the knife in this person's neck. Well, first of all. That's you... the most base of all human nature. You... Self-preservation. You got to have, have a knife. Well, I, or anything. That's what I'm saying. And, and, I mean, I'm taking the most extreme form of that, which is life or death. But it's like, when well, it comes down to it, we're fucking animals who will claw each other tooth and nail to survive. And I, I, I disagree with that. Because well, self-preservation, how, how disagree with because that? it's going to be easier for two people to survive. No, I'm, I'm, talking about a situation where to survive. I'm talking about a situation where it comes down to you or the other person. But why would you, first of all, hopefully we never get into that fucking situation. It happens all the time. But I feel like, I still feel, are you in competition with this person? I, are you both... In a situation where you're trying to survive, or are you it's in a situation you where you have to no, pick? No, it's you or him. Well, that's a whole different fucking thing. That's what thing. I'm saying. The, but I don't think that, that – I still don't think that people will do that. I think that people are more – Are you kidding me? Not all the time. There are some people that are really naturally self-sacrificing. No one's going to give up their life so someone else some can live. people do that all the fucking time. Mm, unless it's your child. I don't think so. It's not, it's not only your child. Give me an example. Fucking that happens all the time with like uh, people who are like captains of ships – or shit like that, or uh, an airplane pilot. Captains always leave first. Captains stay. Nah. Captains go down with the ship. The Titanic guy bounced like immediately. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's a fucking movie. Come on. No one stays on the ship for real. People do. There's something to be seen. Look, ships take like five hours to sink. This You're, is a terrible example. I'm, there's something to be said for honor, dude. And some people take the fucking bullet. Some people stand up. And will face death. I'd say and, that's the rarest possible thing. And I don't think it, it is rare now. See, look, this is and this is the Superman problem. <laughs> the Superman. <laughs> Did you problem? see Man of Steel? No, I've been talking about this a lot. Is it good? Yes and no. I think it's interesting to see because it it really reveals to us what our priorities are right now, and the way that my friend Benari, my writing partner Benari, put it on uh, a, the podcast from a couple weeks ago. Is that uh, I'm trying to be like, oh, when is that going out? When is that coming out? Uh, Is that he told me when he saw it, it's sad to me that we have we have no problem believing that a man can fly, but have a really, really, really hard time believing he would give a shit about anybody besides himself. That's 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 well put. That's the thing that we now don't get, which is kind of like, wait a minute, this guy's got powers and he gives a shit. If I had powers, I'd be robbing banks and fucking bitches. I think that's a great point, and it, it just backs up what I'm saying. And I feel like it's always been like that. I don't think that's a modern phenomenon at all. I don't think it's always been like that. What do you mean? There's, there has been self-sacrificers. I mean, People, I'm not saying that that's not. I'm and saying I don't think it's, see, if it comes down to your life or someone else's life, 
it's nine times out of ten you're killing that other person. I think it's contextual. I think it depends on the history with that person. It doesn't have to be a child. A person doesn't have to only be blood related to us for us to really love and care about that person. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying self-preservation trumps almost everything almost all the time. And I disagree with that. What, 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 I mean, I wh- think self-preservation wins a lot, but I think that self-sacrifice wins as much. I don't, I don't they're see two it. sides of a I don't fucking see how coin. You can back dude. that up. It's it's they're both two sides of a coin. Where is self sacrifice happening a lot? Well, you're not looking for it, are you? I mean, I guess not. You're not you're not seeing it. This is what I'm saying. But like where in what this is, now, this arenas is, of life? This is the thing that you're stuck on. Is yeah, self preservation? Like bitches are gonna pick themselves. But I'm saying I don't think that that's always the case. And especially in non capitalist societies. Especially in the world right now, there are plenty of societies that are tribal where people will put their brother, and I don't mean like their, their literal biological brother, but a member of their group ahead of them. Yeah, but all those tribes are murdering each other for, like, fucking prestige and land. They're not, though. Yes, they are. No, Tribal- they're not. We think they are, but they're not. We think they are because if we were Tribalism them, we is would different think. groups of people killing each other to put their tribe ahead. Not, not always. Yeah, what do you mean? It's not always, dude. You got to read some shit. So I gave you that book. Like so, great. so give me an example. Well, okay. Look, if you've read what, this shit, then what you're you saying give me an is, example. What you're saying is based on the idea that again, tribalism is everything. We're still living out tribalism right now. It's just nation states instead of tribes. Uh, but and there's still places in the world where it is tribes. That's different than tribes. Look at Waziristan. Those guys are killing each that's other. That's different than tribes. A nation state is different than tribes, and those tribes kill each other because of our influence. That's not always true. It, but it is really true. Look at all we, those guys in Waziristan at each other's throat. We are exporting our selfishness. Dude, all the ethnic and sectarian violence in the world. But they wouldn't need to look. This is, again, this is modern era shit. No, Tribe- it's not. What are you talking Those people have been killing each other for thousands of years. But that's still modern era shit. This yeah. is still like after the era of we started building, we started making I'm countries. for 4,000 years. That's not modern era shit. That's still These modern era shit. same people have hated each other for religious differences forever. But that's when we had religion. When before fucking religion, this shit didn't really exist. Dude, Neanderthals and early man were killing each other. They weren't as much as we think what they were. What are you were. talking I'm about? I'm telling you, dude. Neanderthals had a war with early man, and they lost. There's, That's why there's no look, more Neanderthals. When why, why would they be killing each other? Because they were competing for food. But if there's a lot of fucking food. There wasn't. Not, there was so much fucking food. We're talking about pre-farming So then why here. were they killing each other? Because they were. They weren't. Dude, they found remnants of wars between early man and Neanderthals in Northern Europe. This shit has been debunked over and over and over again, dude. That's not true at all. It is fucking true. It is fucking true. Yes, they definitely co-mingled. 11% of world population is Neanderthal gene. War is caused by overpopulation and limited resources. In 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 the history of the world when there was not as many people and there was way more shit when we weren't tied to the land, before we started farming, before we invented agriculture and we said, we're going to sit here. We were traveling. We were nomadic tribes, but we didn't kill each other because we didn't have to. There was plenty to go around. If if one tribe killed a fucking large elk and another tribe tried to move in on that, there was going to be a fucking fight. The other tribe is not going to move in on that because there's fucking more elk. I don't know. I That's think, not the only fucking elk. I think you're elk. oversimplifying it, man. That's not the only fucking elk. And you're oversimplifying it as well. Well, I don't know. I feel like people have been people have been consistently killing each other longer than any other thing. Possibly, but they've also been consistently helping each other and looking out for each other and sharing That's more than true. any other thing. I'm saying, look, there is safety in numbers. 
It used to be. I'm not denying that. Of you created a community. You created a tribe. And that was, that is more useful to self-preservation than killing anybody yeah, that poses a threat. And then if you're not in the tribe, then you kill that person. No, because there's no reason to. Because you have your fucking tribe. No, because they're the other. It, that there weren't others. Yes, there were. Because we invented, That's the basis of tribalism. There's we, a tribe no, and there's no, another no, no, tribe. No. We invented others. Again, where, how did the tribe, first of all, there wasn't as much uh, incest as we think there was, right? So it was like one tribe would send their women, their daughters, to the next tribe. I mean, where, what part of the world and what era are you talking the, about? All the different parts of the world and all different eras. There's lots they of would not things. do that. There's, this fucking shit happened and it still happens. There's no other, there's a hunter-gatherer group rolling across the plains. They're not going to be like, Hey, women who we need to fucking procreate and, and get, get, why don't you get the hell out well, of here? Here's the thing. Like, they weren't rolling across the plains as, like, a thing. There was, like, uh, there was, like, bases, basically. People, people, like, were, like, okay, we, what, 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 what exactly are you? We live here. We. That's not what hunter-gatherers Hold do. on. We live here. We eat here. Season changes. Food's out. Let's move this way. We live here, eat here. Season change and food's out. We move this way. Then there's, like. Then they came back around to the first place because right. they would come back because all the shit. But there's also back. a lot of stuff we don't know about what how those people lived. If we're talking about Paleolithic era man, there's but there is a lot of stuff that we do know. But there's a lot of stuff we don't know. But there's still a lot of stuff that we do know. Okay, and I'm saying that this is stuff that we do actually know. Okay, that they're like people sent their daughters or their sons to the next tribe to make them mm, fucking family I don't know about that. to create. Ties you don't send your fertile tribes. women away from the tribe. Yes, you do, because who's no, going to fuck them? They're brothers? No, they're not all... That's what I'm saying. It's like a tribe, and also that's the other thing. like 150 people, apparently, is the magical number. Once you get bigger than 150 people, that's when people start to become strangers. Okay. You can know 150 people really well, really intimately for life. Once it gets more than that, then it's like, who's it? who are you again? Okay? So, But tribes were smaller than that. Never got really bigger than that. Just kind of naturally happened. Okay? <laughs> You're I mean, so I, upset. No, I just feel like y you don't know that. There's nothing in the fossil record to say that this was the size of the tribe and they sent their daughters away. There, but there is a lot of evidence to that. That it is about that. It's not, and there's also a lot of evidence of, like, bashed-in skulls and, like, yeah, spears. Yeah, but there's just as much evidence of both the things. And I'm saying... It wasn't all one fucking thing. I'm it saying, never is. But it you're, never but is. You're, but you're putting that this violent instinct trumps all is what you're saying. You're saying motherfuckers are going to kill motherfuckers when it comes I'm just down saying to every single time is what you're saying. I'm saying in the span of human history. And I'm saying it's not – I'm saying it's more, of a, it's more of a flip of a coin than that. I'm not saying it's dominantly – I'm saying it's not – that is not that, – that viewpoint – isn't it's untrue to say that it is the dominant way? I'm not it, saying it's the dominant way. I'm just saying consistently, more than any other thing, humans being have been killing each other the longest. That's the dominant way. Consistently, more than any other thing. That means yeah. that that's the most common thing. I mean, is that, that means that's the dominant thing. I mean, that's been happening since the dawn of humans. And I'm saying being it's human. not the most dominant thing. So what is the most dominant? Thing? People died more of natural causes than they were getting murdered all the damn time. So what is the most dominant? Thing? We really believe in murder. See, and somebody said that recently. It's like when we think about prehistory like that, that it's like everyone was fucking just hungry and killing each other. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying since humans have been humans, humans have been killing each other. And I'm saying that I don't think that, yeah, they have been killing each other, but not just because. No, I'm not saying just because at all. And I'm saying that, like, even in the most dire situations, that wasn't a guarantee. It wasn't a guarantee that, like, I'm going to pick me over you. Mm. It's just that it's because our priorities change. The way that we think about life 
is different. Now it's get more, get more, get more, get more, me, 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 me. But I'm saying that, like, before we invented property, before we invented currency, there was more sharing. There was more communality. There was more tribalism. What about when the king owned everything and everyone was still murdering We each didn't other. fucking – king was an invention. Feudalism. I'm talking about – king is a different thing. That's still like after – that's still post-agriculture. So you're only talking about like pre-agricultural society. And I'm saying that so you're like, saying agriculture ruined everything. Yes. Which it kind of did. Yes, it I did. Mean, and I don't disagree with that. Agri- basically, agriculture turned us into what we are today. Yeah, that's true. When we, when we doubled down on staying on in that. one place because it was like the way that we shared more, right? There was, there was a lot of food to go around. We went. We shared. Hunter – and it's been, and it's been uh, proven – and I will we'll look up the research together, right. that you would think that in hunter-gatherer society, the person that caught the food gets the most, right? No. Because it wasn't they got to bring it back to share with their family. But they also took the least amount. They didn't get the biggest piece. Well, pregnant women need, like, the fatty organs and stuff to stay the healthiest. But it was more about creating goodwill. That was the original currency, mm. was creating goodwill with people, is that I did you all this thing, now you all owe me. And it was basically a system of you owe me, I owe you, you owe me, I owe you, because there was no property yet. It was just creating goodwill. And the people who became the paragons, the most wealthy, if you will, in that time, were the people who did the most for others. I mean, yeah. And I'm saying that that creates a way of thinking about shit, that if you are down into the situation where you have to pick yourself versus another person, sometimes you would pick the other person. You would self-sacrifice as a means of personal code, of personal ethics, of personal honor, because that's what you've been taught, as opposed to being taught me, me, me all the time. That's an interesting view. I'm saying the socialization, the circumstances, we're talking about human nature circumstances. Circumstantially. And what we're doing is we're projecting the circumstances we have now on the whole of human history. And it's I think relatively back then, new. survival was a lot harder to achieve. We and I don't we, think so. We live a very comfortable life right now. I I almost want, I want to say I'll say we're may, maybe more comfortable then, even. I think you might be. Uh, I don't know. I'm romanticizing it to you, an extent. You might be really romanticizing. But there's a lot of it. shit that that we are finding well, out no, now. Here, here's what I'll say. Back then, and we're talking about pre-agrarian hunter-gatherer societies. Mm-hmm. When you woke up in the morning, mm-hmm. there was no assurances that you were going to live. It was like here's my here's my things to do today. Not fucking die. But I don't think a that... lot of people live in poverty in the world in the hu- in the scope of the world today. But there was no poverty then. No, but I'm saying it, it's very rare to wake up and be like, my whole goal today is to not die. I need to go find food. I need to kill something. But my whole goal is to not die. Yeah, you're right. There was no other distractions of you know growing things, working the fields, all these things that we've created. But it was like that was that's like human survival at the most basic. Again, and I don't think it was fucking cushy. But but it wasn't fucking cushy I'm not at all. It was cushy, but Imagine it wasn't, the winter time. But it Jesus wasn't, fucking, fucking Christ! That's why you left. You left before it was winter. Unless you were a society that that's how you knew how to survive was in the. Winter. I mean, it wasn't an easy life. I'm not saying it was an easy life. I'm just saying it's not as hard, and it wasn't as filled with murder and terror as we think it, it as we think it was. But I mean, I, it's also like we there's a lot of stuff we don't know about that era. Yeah, but there's a lot of things that we do know, and a lot of the things that we do know contradict. The shit that we think is true, that we think it was hard. We think it was you were alone. And no, I'm not saying you were alone. I'm just saying it's difficult. But again, like maybe you woke up and thought. If you didn't catch that deer, uh, you don't have any fucking food. But again, like it's like you, people were more concerned with 
I think, each other than they were with their own personal well-being. Again, it was looking out for I don't your think there's really man. any way to know that. There, there are you can't some ways. glean that from the fossil record. You kind of can. How? Because it has to do with, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, this is exhausting. Yeah, see? <laughs> you, take a fucking break. You got to explain yourself. Hey guys, it's a little break here. I just want to reiterate the All Things Comedy Network live show is August 28th at Largo, hosted by Bill Burr and Al Madrigal with performances from Brendan Walsh, Ian Edwards, Tom Papa, Christina Pajitsky, and Eddie Pepitone. Guys, uh, go to the AllThingsComedyNetwork.com, uh, AllThingsComedyNetwork.com. Go to the All Things Comedy Network website which is allthingscomedy.com i think allthingscomedynetwork.com i don't know type that shit in the google bitches go there get your tickets it's going to be a blast i'll be there um also i want to give you a couple of live dates if you are some mofos that want to come see me live this is what i've got coming up okay first of all my friend brian cook and i have taken over the big money comedy show here in los angeles it's every thursday at 7:30 at uh, the Virgil, the Virgil, which is a fantastic bar and venue, which is on the corner of Santa Monica and Virgil, somewhere in the kind of Los Feliz Silver Lake uh, gray area. It's Virgil and Santa Monica. It's called the Virgil, and myself and Brian Cook are the host of that show. That's every single Thursday night here in Los Angeles. Here's where I'm going to be on the road. Um, I'm going to be at the San Francisco Punchline September. 27th and 28th that's right bitches the los angeles podcast festival podfest la i'm gonna be there that's october 4th through 6th i'm gonna be doing live episodes of this podcast which i have never done and uh it's gonna be quite philosophical in nature i hope and uh also i'm going to be at uh, the Madhouse Comedy Club in San Diego, uh, October 18th and 19th. I'm going to be at the Punchline in Atlanta. The Atlanta, I mean, not the Punchline. Jesus, son of a motherless. The Improv, the Atlanta Improv. Not the Punchline, the Atlanta Improv. That's going to be, I'm going to be there October 24th to 26th. <laughs> oh, that was, that was so comedic to me. Uh, and that's what I got confirmed right now, guys. So I just want to tell you guys again, big money here in Los Angeles every single Thursday. Um, uh, the uh, San Francisco Punchline, September 27th, 28th. Los Angeles Podcast Festival, October 4th through 6th. Madhouse Comedy Club in San Diego, October 18th and 19th. Uh, the Atlanta Improv, October 24th through 26th. Guys, I hope to see you somewhere. Let's get back to this fucking conversation with motherfucking Carl motherfucking Hess. So look, here's the thing. And we're back. And we're back. Um, your argument is that man has been killing each other since there's been man. I don't, is, think, I don't think it's an argument, just a statement. It is a statement. I'm just saying that, like, I'm, we're talking I'm, about we're talking about this circumstantial. 
but I'm circumstances ta- of human nature. Right, but I'm taking it as like uh, you're saying that like we're. I'm not saying man's essentially war like. But you're saying that we've always been in circumstances where we need to murder each other. Pretty much. And I and I'm saying I disagree with. I'm that. saying there always have been circumstances where we have been, but I'm not saying that defines who we are. Okay. But because that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's circumstantial. I don't think human nature is essentially one thing or the other. Right. I just think that, like, we think that we are very violent people. I think it's easy to think that. It's very easy to think that, and I, and I, and I agree with that statement, but I'm saying that, like, I guess I just get sensitive to the fact that we're so convinced that we're and selfish. And I see exactly what you're saying, and I agree with you. That we're selfish. But I think, that- back to what I said at the beginning, I think within each and every person, everyone's capable of the worst possible genocide or murder and everyone's possible of the most selfless giving themselves for others the two sides of the coin always exist yeah and i'm saying that's that's within every person and i'm saying that even in that example that you're saying that you're saying that like when it comes down to it people will always choose themselves over the other person when it's a life or death situation and i'm saying that is still a flip of the coin i'm saying that is that you that it is just as common that people have have had a selfless act. You I know? see. That's. I think that's where I disagree with you. I think it's definitely possible, but I I would say like eight out of ten times, if it's if it's if it's you or the other guy, you're gonna you're gonna go you. And I think that that's. But but, but what I'm talking I about think there it depends on who the other guy is. That's in within. I mean, that what I'm saying is in an inherently violent context. I mean, I'm talking about like life or death violence. I mean, obviously, that's a very narrow like, you know, view of to what we're talking about. And selfless acts can obviously exist well with outside of a life or death thing. I'm just talking about a very extreme, singular example of what I'm talking about. Well, I also still think uh, that with the life or death situation in which it's inherently violent isn't the most common situation that exactly. most of will... Yeah, I mean, that doesn't happen all will, the time. ...will find themselves in. But even then, I still think people will sometimes just fucking lay down and let the other guy fucking have it. It's just like, fighting is exhausting. That's true. Fighting is very exhausting. I've never been in a fight, but I feel like I'd be terribly bad at it. Well, some people just like, look, I feel like there's more, it's probably more common that people will try to figure out a way to work it out instead of having to kill a motherfucker. I would hope so. You know what I mean? So it's just like, if someone's going to try to kill you, you're going to try to talk them out of it. I think the interesting thing is, that's a very extreme example, and obviously for, like, you know, it's for, like, the concept of what we're talking about. But I feel like a lot of the time when you read about horrible shit happening, it's not a life or death thing at all. It's like some guy shot his girlfriend in the face over an argument about whether The Walking Dead could actually happen. Did you see that article? No. It's always just, like, horrible shit, and it's like, you know, it's like a lot of the times I don't think it is a life or death thing. I think it's like... I mean, obviously, we talked about romantic jealousy and money, but it's like shit, shit just fucking goes wrong. Well, here's a question, because I feel like that shit is so common in this country. Yes. Because we're fucking. And that's a societal thing. It has to do with a lot of guns being around. But and... we're also bored. We're yeah, bored. Definitely. We have all the shit. You yeah. know, when you look at like the 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 happiness index, like this right. study where it's like United States of America that has the most shit. Right. Is way down. Right. We're way down. And these countries in which people wake up every single right. morning and like, to to I need to not fucking die. Right. They're happier than us. I know. It's true. Because they're taking every moment. They're not taking every single moment for granted. Right. And uh, and someone, I was talking to somebody about South Africa 
that like sure there's a lot of robbery in right. South Africa, but there's not as much murder as exactly. you would think. Exactly. Because people are are robbing you because they need right. money. They, they need don't to want survive. to kill you. They need to survive. Yeah, they don't want to kill, kill, you. kill you. They just want to survive. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a really good point. And so I'm just saying that like we have all the shit and we just get bored and decide to walk into movie theaters with guns. That's because people that have so much less have to learn how to enrich their lives with themselves and just like enjoying the fact that they're alive and with their family and friends. Whereas we're so far past that. I mean, a lot of us. I'm, I'm not, it's saying, obviously a generalization, and but I'm it's saying like that culturally. Kind of, and I'm saying that kind of reflects tribalism. That's what I'm saying. What do you mean? I'm saying that like those people woke up like being like, okay, well, I could die today, but at least I have a good family and at least I have good friends and right. I'm going to do everything I can to not do that and to make sure that none of them die either. Well, I think that's actually very telling about like the overall nature of human nature because it's like we can be ha- – like humans are so adaptable and resilient. Like we can be happy in a myriad of circumstances, a lot of which are totally miserable – and we can also be miserable in a myriad of circumstances, a lot of which are happy. So it's like like the human spirit is like so adaptable and like it, it's just like crazy how unhappy we can be or happy we can be at like a full range of situations. And I think that it's my, my personal belief is that it's, re, it's related to uh, presence. It's related to living Being in, in the, the moment. moment. Yeah, I think you're right. And we again we've lost that. We, we've lost that because it's it's our economy. And we're, you're always thinking about something else. You're checking this. You're checking that. You're thinking about the next thing. You're regretting what you did the other day. I mean, mindfulness. I think we've lost mindfulness. We have. And someone once said to me that stress is... Stress is a killer, man. Well, Heart disease is the number one killer in this country. Stress. And it's only Food, from stress. thinking about things that yeah. have happened that yeah. you can't change. Yeah. Or thinking about things that haven't happened that you haven't done yet. You're right. And worrying about it. And it has nothing to do with the present Stress moment. is a massive killer. I don't think people even realize Look, that. Look, I got Eckhart Tolle's phone number on speed dial. Let's just... On <laughs> Yo, speed <Eckhart>. dial. <laughs> on speed dial. Because you know, you know how cell phones have speed dial. You don't just hit someone's name. <laughs> you, know, you hit star five. Yeah. This is Eckhart. This is Eckhart. Oh, I thought it was Eckhart. No. <laughs> no, no. It's you've been saying Eckhart. it wrong. Like how Please. Eddie Izzard is really Izzard. <laughs> That's a callback. That's a callback. Common mispronunciations with Baron Vaughn. Common mispronunciations, yeah. No, I think that's really true. And I think, uh, I mean, obviously, that, that's another thing, though. It's like, it's totally circumstantial. Like, yeah, there's, I mean, we're, t- we're talking culturally, but yeah, there's people that you meet and you're like, God, you're so just in the moment and happy and mindful. And like, those kind of people, when you meet them, really make you want to like, you know, reevaluate your shit and be like, why am I spending so much time worrying about shit that's happened or shit that's to come? It's like, bullshit. That's why I think like, I mean... I've never really done it, but it seems like that would be a valuable aspect of meditation. Just like centering yourself and like realizing that everything's bullshit and you only have right now. So don't be a fucking asshole about it. Well, you know, that's I mean, an aggressive interpretation of meditation. But that's the difference between like Eastern and Western philosophy as yeah, well. I think it is. Like because it's like Christianity is basically there's something bigger yeah. at live work. For, live for later. Don't get the fuck out yeah. the way. Do your work now and everything will be fine later. We'll get back at you when it's done. And I think that's why there's a massive tradition of people in the West turning to Eastern philosophies when they're like spiritually unsatisfied. But that's the thing. It's like I think that word spirituality has I think we need a new way to describe it. We need a new way to describe seeking mindfulness about yourself that's not attached to, like, a higher power. Because when you talk about spirituality, it, it's become conflated with a deity or an outside well, for orthodoxy of beliefs. Yeah, definitely. But it's like, I don't know. I, you know, people are like, oh, I turned to Eastern spirituality. But it's like, it's really about yourself. It's not about 
um, an orthodoxy of belief or a deity or someone living upstairs. It's like it's about like sitting with you and being mindful of your fucking present moment right now. Well, again, now. I think with again with Eastern or Western, I feel like the Western religion with it has rules that were sent down. Right. That you just do those. Right. But with Eastern philosophy, it's been trial and error. Those things came out of people experimenting with, well, what is and isn't. Right. So when you read the philosophies of the greatest minds or the greatest leaders of those movements, it's right. just like, well, I tried this and I saw that maybe this was true. Right. So it just, it's the same sort of thing. So I think that, like, it does become more about finding that inner peace, but you're encouraged to do what you need to do to right. do that. So you're encouraged to let go and to just be. There is a massive rift between, like, prayer, which is, like, beseechings, a higher power, a power or something. You. Because then you're thinking about stuff you want, things, things you messed up, things in the future, then meditation where you're like, I'm just going to fucking be here now and try to just fucking cool the fuck out for a second. Yeah, it's like, hey, you, up there, yeah, get out of my dreams. I mean, get into my car. <laughs> how could you even really pray without thinking about all your problems? Because oh, it's like my friend uh, Roger Hales in a New York comic used to have a I joke love Roger. about. He's a good dude. Yeah, you know his joke about he used to he was trying to pray more, but it just kept turning into a to do list. <laughs> no, that's funny. It's like, uh, dear Jesus, please uh, help me and uh, please look out for my but sisters there is and some... my father. <laughs> I should probably call him. <laughs> there probably is something to be said for gratitude, though. I think. Too. I, I mean, I don't pray obviously, but like, I think it's like the the way to do it would be to say thank you for everything you do have like that that spirit of gratitude like i'm happy for this this is what i'm happy for in my life like let me give thanks for this as opposed to here's what i want strike down my enemies well that fucked up last week can you help me fix it i got a big thing coming up next week why not you help me out with that i think that that that's a big thing grateful. gratitude man gratitude being grateful and again countries where people have fucking nothing and they're happy happier than us it's because they're grateful yeah when you have because they see someone die from starvation and they're like you know what? That could be me. I better fucking enjoy the time I have as much as I can. When you live that close to death, I yeah. think, on a daily basis. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, I went out for this audition for this thing. And it was a African, I was supposed to be like an African priest, like a guy who's from Zimbabwe. Right. And uh, my the most annoying thing is it said, please prepare an authentic African accent. Like, that's <laughs> fucking impossible because I'm not African. Plus, that's a continent. Please There's not prepare. one accent. Please travel to Zimbabwe to prepare a tradition. And I was like, well, why don't they just get a fucking African? And of course, they did cast an African. And when That's I went good. there, there were two guys that were African. One was from South Africa and one's from Zimbabwe. They're right next to each other, right? right. And I'm like, why don't they just... And the other thing about Africans, uh, most Africans are fucking really happy, happy-go-lucky people. They do smile a lot. They smile a lot. Now, when I went in there and I did my little audition for a sitcom... <laughs> The note was, okay, uh, he's from Africa. So Have you seen how much they smile? Step it up. He's seen that death. That's what she said. He's seen that death. Oh, God. I'm like, bitch, I can't play. I've seen death. <laughs> where I'm making I can't play a thousand-yard dead look in I'm my eyes. I'm saying fat jokes. <laughs> when I'm talking about how this guy I'm talking to is so fat. Try to do it more hollow-eyed, like your spirit has died. And I'm like, but that's the thing. <laughs> that's what her opinion of... The whole continent of right. if you see death all the time, you're just fucking bummed about it. Right. It's like, no, because they don't have to think about it because they're seeing it. Right. So they think about, I better fucking be happy right now because it can come any moment. Or you develop like a wry sense of humor in one-liners like in MASH. Oh. Gallows humor. Gallows right? humor. That's yes. what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. No, but I think you're right. It's like, 
I mean, you just kind of forget how precious life is when you're lost in the day-to-day routine. And that, I mean, that happens to everyone. It's like, there's really no way around it, but you just kind of have to stop and be like, oh, wait, I'm worried about fucking bullshit all the time. And that's my problem. Like, I just have so much time to myself where I'm just like, I put things off because I'm like, I got time. Mm-hmm. So I don't think about the reality of I could go at any moment. Yeah, I think I woke up, I'm going to sit here inside, and nothing's going to happen, and I should uh, figure out when I want something to happen. I think it is. Uh, that's really true. Like when you have a friend or loved one who's like goes through like a medical thing, it's like really makes you fucking step back, like for real. And you're just like, God, fuck. I mean, you, you don't know what you got till it's gone. It's like it's all cliches, but it's true because those come from like Try thousands of years of fucking like real life experience basically american version of buddhism is just carly simon lyrics <laughs> health as well pretty much carly all, simon pretty lyrics. much anything that carly simon said you're like oh shit that's what uh, that's what you know that's what about carly, good call i get what taoism is about good now call. <laughs> well i mean i feel like we got to the bottom of it now did we get to the bottom of it i we should start meditating that's what we should do well i honestly you know it's really hard to turn shit off because that's the other it thing it really is carl Nobody wants us to do that here. Oh, of course not. I remember because in, in theater school, a lot of the shit that I was taught about acting in theater basically looks like Eastern philosophy. Yeah. Because it's all about being it's present. It's all about being in the moment. And being in the moment. Yeah. And reacting. Yeah. And being in your body and yeah. looking through your fucking eyes. Actors and are reacting. Connecting to your breath. And it's, it's about letting things happen and being an open vessel mm-hmm. for, for situations yeah. as opposed to like, just doing shit right right now there was so much talk about being present and checking in Mm -hmm, and being mm -hmm. and then when i moved to new york it just became more and more and more and more impossible right because Because you were thinking of it too much well because everything around me is designed to rip me away from being present right you know you that's what Times square is yeah it's just bombarded it's every advertisement is a hammer right hitting you over the head Mm -hmm. you know in a psychological way but sometimes you have very physical because you get stressed. Right. It's crazy how much health shit comes out of people being stressed. And then we just don't even think about, like, well, that's how am I thing. supposed to not be stressed? Like, what we were talking about, like, hunter-gatherer, pale, like, this whole, like, pale food movement where they're, like, studying all these primitive tribes and tribes nowadays that are kind of cut off from modern society. And it's like, yeah, like, they're, they're not eating processed food. But it's also, like, the whole stress thing is never even taken into account. It's like, they're living so different from us. It's like, yeah, it's probably good that they're not eating processed oils and fucking sugar, but it's also probably good that they're like, hey, let's just fucking enjoy the time we have right now. Someone was telling me about this thing that uh, I, I guess it was this guy who was like clinically depressed and he went to Africa. I don't remember which country, but he went to some town where he heard about this, this uh, thing that they do. That when someone's sad, what they do is have a giant party for that person. Oh, my God. Bathe them. In fucking love and That's affection, amazing. right? And basically celebrate them and make them feel so good that the shit goes away for sometimes forever. Wow! They never are depressed again. So this guy went to go do this, and he apparently he he basically talked about it. I guess like he's cured. He's now the mayor of that village. Yeah, he's he's the never mayor. coming he's back. He's basically like cured, you know, from his depression because of this one singular event. Jesus. And that the people were like, well, what do you guys do in the United States? And he's like, oh, we sit in a room with one person and tell them all our problems. And they're like, that's fucking crazy. That's the worst thing you could what do. What are you talking about? Yeah. But I, we're dwellers. Yeah. You know, that's the Freud. That's all Freud. 
Freudian shit. I'm, I'm, I, I, every, more and more I become unconvinced about Freudian psychology and just thinking about I think a lot of it's way. pretty much been debunked, like, overall, right? It has. And what's great is that Freud, at the end of his life, fucking hated everybody. <laughs> he was just like, Jesus, if everything I say is right, we're fucked. I'm going to go sit, do some coke and take a nap forever. I mean, I always think, I've, I mean, a lot of people we know are in therapy. Are you in therapy? No, I'm not. I mean, sometimes I, I think about doing it, but yeah, I, so do I. I'm like, it could be valuable, but then I'm like, I should just get off my ass and go for a hike. You know, it's just like, just go outside and move around. Don't sometimes just... you you have to get the fuck out of yourself. I know. This is see, this is a big thing that keeps coming back. See, I'm glad we're talking about human nature because one of the things that I like to happen on this podcast, and I hope people feel or see is happening, is that fucking themes keep coming right back. Right. They're they're commonalities. And this, this is one of the themes that's, like, it's been coming back. It's like, I got to fucking do shit. Right. I can't just sit here and dwell and sit in my brain and spin right round like a record, baby. Right round, round, round. Perhaps I should go take Ryan Singer up on going on a hike. Or, uh, you know, that's why I, I fill my days with, like, fucking lunches. I feel like that's what. You got lunch. That's what happened in L.A. That's why going to lunch it's such a common thing here because we just need to set aside time right. for FaceTime. Right. For even real if people. Even if it's shitty, even if it's just like we're going to be sitting there texting the entire time, at least I'm with someone. Yeah, it's true. I think even that's that true. little like face, physical FaceTime yeah. is enough to justify the experience. And I think like in the overall sense, like all the problems that – you know, you talk about on this podcast with me and everyone else who live in this little privilege bubble in LA. It's like these problems are like problems of privilege. Mm-hmm. It's like people who have to wake up and worry about surviving and don't have running water. It's like they don't really have time to like fucking sit around and worry about shit. They're like, I gotta go get the water and then I'm gonna fucking make this meal and then I'm gonna spend time with my family. You know, it's like it's just such a matter of perspective. Depression it's- is a symptom of comfort. Exactly. It's like a lot well, of Well, I-, I won't say that because some people are clinically depressed. I don't want to I don't want to fucking but overall, General, to, to have the time to sit around and worry about all this shit is like a fucking privilege. And I think that's why there's the disconnect between, like, societally and culturally, like, between cultures that have just completely lost touch and cultures that are still, like, very mindful and being like, let's just stay grateful and live our lives right now because that's all there is. Ugh. So what are some of the So steps? we're fucked. <laughs> so yeah. in summation, we're fucked. See, but then again, see that, that fucking sigh right there. That's me going. But that sounds hard. That's what yeah. that that's what that is. Yeah, I know. It's I'm ter- just like, it's really? Awful. I gotta I see I can talk I, I'm and, I, and you know what? I'll admit it. A lot of times I'm I'm more talk than I am walk. I mean it's easy to talk about. I'm a Sagittarius, so <laughs> classic Sag. Sag classic really strong Sag. Well, I think that's the thing about it. It's like in some ways self-pity and self-destructive behavior it's like very easy it's very easy to lose yourself and it can become like kind of a a comforting thing to like sit around and feel bad about yourself my another teacher of mine in college used to say that's that's the sinister thing about feeling bad is that it really feels good yeah because when you feel bad it's easier you it's dependable and what you're getting out of it all the time is i'm alive that's true you're you're in pain pain is a real thing right that you can go like I at least I'm I know I'm dead. Feel that. That's what cutting is. Am I alive? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I am. Cutting's just the most extreme form of that. It's just that taken to the extreme. It's but like, it's a form of pleasure. I want to fucking feel something at least. Feel something. Am I doing? Am I feeling something? I mean, different. I feel like different people will say different things, but I feel like that's the most common thing 
that is the the justification for why someone might cut. Right. Because they're just like, am I fucking here? Right. Okay, I am. Yeah. Shit, something has happened. I'm feeling something. something this knife happened. acknowledges me. Yeah. For real, though. Yeah. Eddie Azard, again, we, he comes up again. He said something once about uh, why boys will throw a rock through a window. Just to see if it's there. It's, it's, it's physics. He's like, you have caused change. Right. I'm, a, I'm here. You're here. Why do you think people write on bathroom walls the entire world over? I exist. I'm here. I was fucking here, man. Every fucking tag. Every fucking YouTube that's a, comment. That's a human nature. That's an entire world phenomenon. It's just everybody. Every, that is a universal phenomenon. I exist. I was fucking here. That's, that's what everybody's first, trying to say. I was here. The first explorers writing on the rocks. First. First, first, Fred was here. Yeah. But, it's, but it's still all just reminders to be like, I exist. Yeah, it's true. That person just needs to meet. They need to know that they did something. That it, And that's the other thing is that sometimes it's like you throw a rock through a window, you change that window. You've changed the physical property of that you window. you can point to that and say, see that? I did that. I did that. But that's what people do when they fucking uh, hate on Twitter right. or YouTube. I was here. I was here. I fucked someone else I'd up. Fuck someone, I made a change. And I, I, I impact. And they want you to respond. Of course. Because they know that they did something. That's why the ultimate comeback on the internet is nothing. Absolutely because nothing. Because they want a response. And as well-worded and as cutting as your response can possibly be, you don't you're still exactly playing into them. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of the time. That's why I just let it go. And, and it's so frustrating. Have you ever done it where you're like, I got that person good. Let's see what they say. And then they never come back at you. It drives you crazy. Not me. I don't do that. I'm I know. Not, I mean, I'm no I. Carl Hess. No. <laughs> I, I had my flame war days on AOL. Don't worry about it. Flame war? Oh, yeah. I've done that. You I would know start what? shit in chat rooms just to fuck with. I mean, I love arguing. Okay, here's another thing, Carl. This is this, this, and this all connects because, again, we were talking about other before. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as, okay, on planet Earth, there's no such thing as alien. That's true. Right? We're all the same. And but yet, we, how often does that term get thrown around? But we keep existing. We keep creating ways to separate ourselves. Of course. You know, oh, we're different. We speak is different it languages. Us or is it them? Them, and we and we, we we create different languages. Oh, you're you're a different race. You're a different class. You're mm-hmm. a different country. You have mm-hmm. a different flag. You have different money. You have different shoes. You have you wear black socks with fucking Birkenstocks. What are you German or something? It's easy to say we're different in a lot of different ways, but we're all the same in the same way. But the thing is that when we do make those separations, we like to put the other people down. Right. It's to we separate ourselves to hold ourselves up a lot exactly. of the time, right? Exactly. And I think that is happening with the internet age because we have become creatures of outrage in the sense that quick to post a blog. Well, we don't have to we don't have to quick actually to fire a comment. Know people that have different opinions than us. That's true. You know, you exist in your little insular bubble. Of I'm going to find everyone that likes exactly the shit yep. that I like, and yep. I never have to deal with anyone else. Mm-hmm. And the skill set of being able to talk to someone who doesn't think everything that you think automatically mm-hmm. is dying. Oh, yeah, definitely. So sometimes when I've engaged Reasonable people, discourse is almost dead. When I've engaged people on the internet, you know, and it's, it's usually it's been on Facebook when I'll post something that someone that I know from my past, like someone I went to college or high school with, that has a different way of seeing things, right. will po- start posting shit, and we'll have a back and forth. And I try as hard as I can not to get shitty right. and not to be like, you're because fucking you're idiot. a good dude, and most people go the exact same, the exact opposite direction. Well, because I know that I've I learned, because I, I have done that, I learned that it doesn't do anything. No. 
It's just like people get to that place where they're like, they don't want to have a debate. They just want you to cry. Right. So it's like, and it's kind of amazing that it's happened every now and then that I will get called on something or accused of something. And I will calmly say, this is untrue and this is why. And I will try to respect what they believe. And they, at the first, they think I'm trying to attack them. So they attack me. And I'm like, dude, I didn't even attack you. Everyone takes everything personally right off the bat. But I get them each time to be like, you know what? You're right. You didn't attack me, and I see what your point is. And uh, even though I disagree, we're the we're, internet we're fine. needs more Baron Vaughn. <laughs> I mean, you're an exception. That's you're definitely exception. Well, because because you're I, doing it mindfully, you're going about you're going about it mindfully. Well, right? and that's it's one important. of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast so I could yell at people like you about shit that we disagree <laughs> about and figure out ways that, like, okay, well, look, let's we'll talk about this more. We'll learn more about right. it. Face to face is also a lot different. It's a lot easier to go right for the jugular when it's you know the anonymity of the internet affords a certain type of shittiness, a place to thrive. Obviously, exactly. Thanks, internet. Thanks. Sometimes it makes me Thanks, wonder. Worldwide information network. It makes me wonder if if the hieroglyphics are just a bunch of YouTube comments that we think are awesome, but it's really just being like this. The raw sucks a dick, dude. That's why I love. <laughs> I just read this whole thing about like ancient graffiti. Yeah, and like you know on these finds where they're breaking down all these like symbol and then it'll just be like it will be that it'll be like some scrawl i mean that's that's what's so funny about like human nature it's like you can always count on a few things that people are going to do and one of them is write some shit on the wall write some shit on the wall talking shit on the walls i mean that's been around since cave cave drawings you know it's like that's what's cool that's thank what's the cool land about. and thank the earth mother for this harvest <laughs> right the earth mother can suck a dick son <laughs> yeah it's fascinating i mean that's as we talk about human nature being circumstantial, it's like there's always a few things you can count on people to do. And one of them is write a dick. One or of them is write some dick. shit on the wall. And the, the other thing is dress up like a silver statue and stand still and wait for people to give you money. I've seen that in so many countries. It's insane. There is evidence that that happened in ancient Egypt. <laughs> I, street performers, they definitely had them. I'm sure yeah. someone was playing it all gold. Definitely. Just just waiting for some wheat. Put down some wheat. I'll do a dance. That was a, a thing I on the History of Rome podcast. Where he talked about everyday life and shit. Right. And that there were – he talked about Stoicism and Epicureanism right. and, and then also these other religions and basically how Christianity became a thing. Right. Because Christianity offered salvation to anyone. Right. Regardless of right. who they were. Right. And it was just like this unheard of fucking yeah, people thing. People were like, I can do what now? Yeah. It's like if I dedicate myself to this belief system, I can be saved. So at the beginning of and Christianity – And life was pretty shitty for the common man at that mm-hmm. point. So it's like, well, I mean, this is terrible here, but if I if, – if in the next way, I can be in paradise. Slaves and the poor. Yeah. Right? And yeah, then it finally lives. trickled up to the emperor yeah. eventually. So – but he was talking about like how there were these belief systems that were like the dominant ones, you know, and of course people still had their traditions where they were worshipped Jupiter right. or the altars and stuff. But he said there was also this era. His favorite thing about this era was the street philosopher. Right. The dude that, just up there throwing the out on ideas. On a soapbox. Right. Talking about the world is the Which blood. is fascinating. Can you spare a quarter? Right. It's just like I'm telling you what existence is. Right. But also I. And right now we only have crazy religious dudes on the street. Imagine if you had like a philosophy, like a guy who gets a major in philosophy and he's like, can't really find a job. I'm just going to get out there and start fucking breaking down some ideas about human cognition be on the street corner. Exactly. Imagine that. Look, I applied to McDonald's, didn't need a philosopher. Yeah. I applied to Best Buy, didn't need a philosopher. I'm going to get on the street corner. I'm going to get in the street corner. I guess I'm going to have to give this philosophy away. 
<laughs> We're the philosophy open mics in this bitch. Where Barney's like, I gave a lecture at Villanova, or was that a street corner? I can't remember. <laughs> it's true, though. We need to bring that back. Street corner philosophy. Street philosophy. We should just go film that. Street philosophy? Someone just like debunking Kant on the street. Street philosophy? Street street philosophy. Like, oh, yeah. Basically, it's called He Can't Be Serious. <laughs> You're outside of House of Pies, like breaking down Heidegger, like this guy. Like, Heidegger, please. <laughs> Disregard Kierkegaard what that motherfucker be saying. We got to shoot that. Is it me or Hume? You know what I'm Dude, saying? I bet you if you did that in Los Feliz long enough, someone would start arguing with you, though. I'll be back in a Chopin hour, guys. Who's where? <laughs> Jesus, just puns on philosopher names. That's funny. Jesus. Uh... I mean, I, I bet you there is someone doing that somewhere. Yeah, I'm Jean-Paul. Sorry, you guys don't agree with this. Oh, God, just awful. You could go on for days. What did you major in in school? Theater. Fuck. But, yeah, when you were talking about that, we're I think... we of a pod. I think that was the same thing. Like, yeah, it's like, that's what's kind of cool about learning about acting. It's like, it is all about just being in the moment. And if we don't do that enough, it's, it's really hard to do. That's the thing. It's like, the whole thing about, you know, meditation traditions and all that stuff is clearing the mind but it that's so hard to do to just sit in one place not do anything and try to clear your mind for even 10 minutes well because that's every, so hard everything in the world is a fucking dump truck that's trying exactly. to put trash in our exactly. brains the entire time that's why i've been thinking about just trying to like do like a couple minutes of meditation a day just to just to try it out i mean just just for like a calming effect. start small yeah you it's, know what i have really i have hard to clear uh, your mind i have all these fucking books that like because I've, I've really come around maybe to self-help i always been like self-help that's for blah 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 you know but like i'm like okay you know what there are certain things that maybe they're popular because they but work like, self-help has, has gained a very narrow definition but like everything's self-help going for a fucking hike is self-help that's true that is like, true reading a book is self-help i mean self-help has taken a narrow definition of Anthony Robbins is going to tell you what's wrong uh, with your life. Well, that's like, motivational speaking. What, what about like self-enrichment? Let's call it that. Self-betterment. I think that some places, uh, some bookstores do call it self-embetterment. Self I mean, oh. I, I, think, I think going for in a walk. Biggins? or eat, Yeah, in Biggins, the smallest spirit. <laughs> I think anything, you know, like doing push-ups, eating a fucking healthy meal that you made in your kitchen, going for a hike. Yeah. That's all bettering your life. Yeah, but I got problems. Uh, but I got problems. Time for that shit. Have you have you found a specific self help book that you've really? Well, there's just certain books that I I've been I've been um, Eckhart Tolle. Well, that yeah, because actually, um, my my teacher in school told us to read Power Now when that shit came out, and right. I actually dated this woman here in Los Angeles. She's like, "Have you read Power of Now?" Who w used to work at a yoga studio that they were the first people to bring him to America. Okay, so she's got. A not a relationship with him. I mean, she's got a, she knows him. Right. As a guy. She used to fuck him. No, no she so didn't fine. fuck him because <laughs> it was her and her husband ran this yoga studio. Um, so she was only fucking her husband. Right. And actually, not at all. Not at all. Different story. Different story. <laughs> but um, so I have been basically orbiting around these certain books right. that people in my life have told me. And finally, you fucking, decided to read it. I still haven't. I bought it. That's the step I've taken. Okay. I'm like, I got it. <laughs> The Power of Now. I bought it. it. I got that in a, a new earth, and I got The Artist Way, and I've been telling people to read The Artist Way. But you haven't. But I haven't. Tell it. Read it, and then tell me about it. Read it, and I'll <laughs> see if it works for you, and then I'll decide <laughs> whether or not I'll hug it. But I know it works. My, one of my closest friends got it for me for uh, Christmas. Who's that by? It's by this woman named Julia Cameron. Okay, I feel like I've heard of that. Well, so why don't you just read it? <sighs> 
Because there's a lot of psychological fucking baggage around it, dude. And she yeah. she calls it out in the book. What'd she say? She's like, you're reading this book because of X, Y, Z, and X, Wait, Y, how and do you Z. Know, how do you know she says that if you didn't read it? No, I've read the introduction. I've read the first chapter. Oh, so you started reading it. I started reading it, but she says things that I'm afraid of. Like? That you're afraid of this, aren't you? You really have to face yourself when you read these kind of books. You are. And she's really, she, she has been calling me on my shit. Which makes me go, well, I'm not alone, which should make me feel good. But I'm also like, well, I'm fucking boring then, too, aren't I? I'm just like all these other sorry All, all these other sorry fucking assholes. <laughs> and I read, I finally read an article about her someone sent me. Julia Cameron, that's the woman who wrote this book. Okay. She famously um, had a gigantic public divorce with Martin Scorsese in oh, the 70s. Wow. And she was basically like his crazy. But who didn't really? <laughs> his crazy bipolar wife. And she still deals with. Be, by being bipolar right. and having these episodes but like so this book is basically almost her buddhist answer to like i need to do something outside of myself wow and i need to create something so through trial and error and workshops and teaching these classes she finally after i think t doing it for 10 or 15 years made a book that has been popular for 15 20 years and has been it's it's, it's a movement in right. itself right and is it based on uh, Buddhist kind of not really? It's just, it's just based on it's based on well, it's based on that in the in the sense that you need to cut yourself some fucking slack. You've read more about this book uh, than you actually have yeah, read the book. I have, I have, I have, <laughs> and I've heard more. It's about cutting yourself some fucking slack and just giving you exercises and things to do to embedder yourself and to create experiences to turn into art. Dream big in yourself, and just basically to create a routine. You said you should read it. I know I should, and that's why my friend got it for me for Christmas because she was like, uh, you have been avoiding this book for a decade, and I think it's time for you. And I'm like, you're right, it is. Start reading that book. Use your perfect push-up things right here. Okay. And then your life's just going to fucking explode on track. Well, here, and that's my question to you. What are some of the things that you were doing in your um, life? I've started hiking every day. Gross. Because I've noticed that it really helps with depression. And there's studies that it's like, regular non-strenuous exercise is as or if not more effective than prescribed an antidepressants well so they say I mean, exercise just, is the natural antidepressant yeah, exactly that's just like true i mean that's not like up for dispute it's just you have to get out and do it which our ancestors working out all the time bitch. and getting sun vitamin d very important mm -hmm. getting out there um you know the other thing about hunting gathering is there was no work right um your work was survive 80 percent of food came from gathering Right. Hunting was always a crap Hunting's shoot. fucking hard. It's hunting. hunting it's it's hard. hard. But also when you were gathering and when you were hunting, guess who you're with? Everyone you know and love. <laughs> these are my, are my friends. Everyone, I love these guys. You weren't going to an office building with strangers. Right. These are people that you've known for yeah. your entire fucking life. The social life. fabric is pretty essential. Exactly. So it was like, and they did it for six hours. Right. Like, so their work day to have food for the day was still less than what we do now. And that's the thing. Now. It's like you read, you'll, you'll read an article about like, people who live super long like why are they and it's like the social aspect is super important just like even having like a pat on the back or maintaining these relationships is like that is so important for longevity it's like people who become isolated like and, and especially as you get older it's like that's a fucking death sentence you need to you need to maintain an active social fabric because that's it's something to live for in a basic sense but it's mm -hmm, also like mm -hmm. that enriches your life you're you're hanging out with your friends you're you know you're you're high five and you get a hug. And I'm trying That's to do that. That's why they give more. sad old people animals because they just literally need to touch another thing. 
another life. Another life. They need to have someone there with them and that they can physically That's why touch. I was like in New York, you always see this is a therapy dog. I'm like, isn't every dog exactly. a therapy dog? Exactly. I mean, that's what it is. If it's you a, have a dog, that's therapy. It's a relationship. It's it like is a maintaining relationship. Maintaining relationships is, I mean, obviously that's the base of all things. But also the hard part is, is losing the dog. Exactly. Which, which people have a hard time accepting that, like, it's going to live for this amount of time. And it's just like, and you have to move on, as Jackie Cation's joke goes. You know, just like her, the cat's on dialysis. You know what? No. $3,000 for like, that's 3,000 new cats. Because cats are free. That's my, that's my. Uh, that's, that does sound exactly like Jackie it. Cation. It's true. It's true. Maybe I do want to meet Christian singles. <laughs> that's my Carl Hess impersonation. I guess I do kind of sound like that. You do. Your voice is kind of. No, not really. I don't know. I'm going to listen to it back on this and be like, ah, is that what I sound like? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Every time I hear my own voice, I'm like, fuck. That's basically... <laughs> There's always that first moment of, ah, this fucking guy again. Well, I always sound more effeminate than I think I sound. He doesn't sound effeminate. Well, when I listen to him, I'm like, shit, I sound effeminate. Well, that's because we hear our own voices through bone resonance. To, you mean our boners? Yeah, it's yes, true. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, no, there's the. I actually just read this crazy thing about bone conduction because it's like, uh, like I'm you, always making like, you know, that's why your voice sounds different when you hear it. Cause of course, hearing, of course. So yeah. the military uses like bone resonance for like, like, uh, like radios, right? Like Navy SEALs will just have like a thing in their tooth and like they just talk and it. But now there's this crazy ad. It's in England where you're, if you're on the subway and you know how like commuters will lean against the window yeah. when they're like sleeping. So there's, they have an implanted high frequency thing in the window. So if your head is touching the window, you can hear the ad. But when you take your head away, not touching the window, you can't hear it. It's all bone rest. Isn't that insane? That's so you'll good. be like sleeping, leaning against the window, and be like, hi, welcome to And you'll be like, oh, my God. And you'll put your head back, and you, you can't hear it. And then you touch your head to the window, and you can hear it again. There are certain places that you get, That's scary. You get forced peace. And subway, yeah, exactly. Used to be one when of them. When you're leaning your head against the window, you don't want to be disturbed. You don't want to hear about like perhaps you should get a new pair of shoes. Nope, we Dick. use bone resonance to fuck your life up yet again. Fuck, because it used to be, especially in New York, like the subway, you can't get a signal. All I could do in this on New York subway is read, listen to music, or people watch. Yeah, three incredibly meditative things. Right. That everyone in that New York valuable. gets to do. That is valuable. It's so valuable to have that 40 minutes to myself right. on the train where I'm not answering text. I'm not checking my email because it's impossible. Right. But I can just kind of read. I, I started reading all the time. But just like right. sometimes just sitting there and just looking at people. Just yeah. like I'm here. I'm present. Yeah. It makes you kind of have to be present. You don't really get that much in Los Angeles because you got to drive motherfucking way everywhere. Yeah. The, the two months I had to take the bus was like, yeah, it really forced you to just be like, well, you gotta, you're going to have to do something. I'm going to start a book club. Yeah. Well, I tried to start one with these two girls. I need to email them back. It's been maybe a month because I got I got all depressed and shit. So I was like, Well, I'm gonna read this book and then we can talk about it. Well, read read this book and then we'll have Human Nature episode two. Excellent, Carl Hess. Thanks. Thank you, sir. We started with some contention, but then we resolved it in the end because that's the thing about friendship. You know what? You don't always have to fucking agree with every single thing that someone says just because you like them. And sometimes the disagreements are exactly how both people involved get to expand their brains. Speaking of which, uh, I'm going to try to tackle a philosophical question, guys. You guys can email me uh, philosophical co- uh, questions if you're interested in me answering them or uh, trying to get into them on the podcast, uh, email me at contact at Baron Vaughn. 
gmail.com. Uh, this question is from Ryan Sheridan, who asks, how the fuck do we know? <laughs> already, already great. That's how you start a philosophical question. I wonder if people, people must have done that to, to Socrates. Hey, Socrates, how the fuck do we know? That was probably the end of the question, though, just how the fuck do we know? And Socrates probably had a fucking answer, too. Anyway, his question is, how the fuck do we know when to truly get married to our partner? Everyone tells you something different, you know? I'm 28 and feel no pressure to do it, but my girlfriend of five years is pretty much the opposite. I think my apprehension ties back to always second-guessing myself, not being able to make decisions, emotional dependence, not having a real job, and just uh, curious to see what's out there. My curiosity to see what's out there, especially since he just moved to L.A. from Cleveland. I can get divorced, but that's a failure I'd rather not add to my resume. <laughs> my life resume, he says. Well, you know, there. I, I mean, my, my answer's a cop-out. There's no real way to know. Sometimes you just have to make decisions to realize that it's not the decision that you should have made. But you can't necessarily chalk up the decision not working out to it being a failure if you learn. There is no such thing as a failure if you learn a lesson from it so as not to repeat the things that made that a failure. You know what I'm saying? Like comics, we fail. We bomb on stage sometimes. But when we do it on our own terms, it is not a failure for we have learned something about ourselves, about our jokes, and about the audience. Thus, we can use that information to move forward and become better. So when it's on your own terms, there is no failure, if you will. Hmm. That got a little heady. So you you can't truly know when to marry your partner but do you want to if you want to get married by all means get married and if it doesn't work out that doesn't mean that the marriage was a failure it just means it didn't work out it was probably a success while it was going on and that's what we need to hold on to i've noticed that people do this in relationships a lot when they go through a breakup they will change the past to fit the present they will be angry. They will feel abused, misused, um, tricked, be, you know, bewildered. And then they will basically use that moment as the result, as the evidence, as the end point. And everything that happened to it, they tried, they change everything to, oh, it was inevitable. Everything they were doing led up to this moment. This was their ultimate intention. But no, it was good when it was good. So I say, if you want to get married, fucking get married. But if you don't, then don't. And if your girlfriend feels the pressure, that's not necessarily your fault. That's everybody around you telling you what to do. So I say not to succumb to it. You know what I'm saying? If you do not feel ready, then you do not feel ready. And I think in a way, if you have to ask the question, then you're not ready. You know? But if you want to do it, by all means, go ahead and do it. <laughs> you see how I'm canceling myself out right here? Fantastic. I'm so good at this already. Yeah. Getting deep with this shit, girl. Mm. I'm getting deep. I just realized that I'm singing over this music and uh, it's not the same. Anyway, Ryan, uh, it's impossible to truly know, but it is possible to know what it is that you want to do. You can know what you want to do. And if you do what you want to do, then uh, you never are doing any wrong. That doesn't mean you don't do wrong by other people. <laughs> if you don't want to get married, then don't get married. She might get pissed off and hurt, but don't change your decision because you don't want her to be pissed off. Because if you get married because you don't want her to be pissed off, guess who's going to be pissed off in the end? You. And you're going to be really resentful. And then it will be a failure. Holy shit. Right there I was talking, and I don't even know what the fuck I was saying, guys. The words were just coming. It was a trance. 
Thank you, Yahweh. Yahweh just reached down and spoke through my damn mouth because he was like, I got an answer for Ryan Sheridan, and it's not going to make any sense. Anyway, guys, I'll talk to you soon on Team Shit. Mm-hmm.